Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Happy Thursday. This is Jeannie Wynn, and I am the host of the Winner Circle on Blog Talk Radio. And I am hoping that I have guests. Um, I am supposed to have guests. Uh, Are you here? Hi, I'm here. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad. We've had had a little uh, bit of a technical difficulty, so I need to apologize to Cara. Normally, I would have been speaking to you, and I was speaking to you, but... (laughs) Something happened. So anyway, and we yeah, I, I was on hold and it hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Cara Isaac, to the Winter Circle, everyone. Cara is calling in from New Zealand. So, so excited to have you today and to talk about the book. And now that I can breathe, because I hear your voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk about uh, this book, and um, we're just going to jump right in, and we have a whole half hour to talk about a lot of different things. So, um, But you are an award-winning writer who lives in Wellington, New Zealand, uh, where your career highlights include working in tourism as a private sec- secretary for the prime minister. Uh, you love great books almost as much as you love your husband and your children. And um, we'll talk about where people people can find you um, kind of at the end of the uh, interview. So how are things in New Zealand? This Actually, what time is it there for you? Uh, it's just gone 6 a.m. on Friday. Oh, so have you even had your coffee yet? Uh, <laughs> no, no. I, I kind of just fell out of bed and tried not to wake the children or the husband <laughs> and down the bed. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the book. And um, now what's interesting is uh, actually Cara has had quite a year. She wrote her first book, Close to You, and that was your debut novel. And then this is your second one that came out, and it's called Can't Help Falling. And um, tell us about this particular book. Um, It it actually happens to be, as much as I love the other book, I love this one because – you talk about one of my literary heroes and um, so talk about Can't Help Falling and tell our audience just what it's about. So um, Can't Help Falling is a contemporary romance that is set in Oxford in England. It's about um, Peter who is an English elite rower who's recently been, been injured and kind of watched his um, dreams of rowing in the Olympics disappear and is, is trying to um, make his make his comeback. And Amelia, who is um, an American who used to be a tabloid journalist, and um, she has uh, moved over to, to Oxford from the States after a story that she was writing had um, some very unexpected, tragic consequences, and she's trying to find a way to um, atone for um, the results of that story. Um, and it has a, a C.S. Lewis Narnia theme for it, both Amelia and um, Peter are, are big Narnia, big Narnia fans. So that was one of the, the the most fun things that I had fun writing because I'm also a big Narnia fan. So being able to incorporate um, that element into the story um, in Oxford, which is where, um, well, one of the places where C.S. Lewis um, spent a lot of his his career. Um, so yeah, it's a it's interesting because Close to You, uh, my first novel, 
um, had a, a Tolkien Lord of the Rings theme, as some people may know. And so when I was originally talking to um, my my publishing house and we were talking about doing a second book, we wanted something that was um, linked in, but you know, obviously different to, to the first book. And uh, J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were, were great friends and actually met at Oxford University. So um, that was a, a really nice nice link between between the two stories and yeah it's been it's been a real real highlight having um, that component in there yeah we love i'm a huge cs Lewis fan tyson and i actually went last week on our anniversary to go see a one-man show of lewis and really about his conversion and so it was just fascinating to to go back into his world and and to see what it was like. And um, I think a lot of people have been really looking forward to this. You know, you have a lot of, um, obviously, um, there's a lot of Narnia tied in. You have a wardrobe tied in. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, what it feels like to go from a first book to a second book, too. Um, we'll get back to Lewis in a minute. But what is it like to go into your sophomore novel? Is it more nerve-wracking than a debut? Um, it, well, for me, it was. I, um, you know, you you think that doing doing your debut is probably, as a writer, the most terrifying thing that you can do because, you know, for such a long time you've held your stories so close and and been able to exercise control over who sees them and reads them and most of the time, hopefully, they're kind to you and then suddenly your your book baby's out there in the in the big wide world and people don't have to be kind to you and, and definitely are not a lot of, well, not a lot of the time, but some of the time. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I thought that releasing close to you was about as scary as it got, but um, I definitely found that with um, Can't Help Falling, it's a, it's a, it's a different level of, of nerves because with your debut novel, no one has any expectations in terms of what a Cara Isaac novel is or um, you know whether what they're what they're expecting and whether they have high high expectations. Uh, but after um, having so many great readers um, who loved Close to You and were so um, looking forward to the release of Can't Help Falling, um, there's a, there's definitely a a level of of pressure where you you really want them to love your next story and you're you're nervous that they won't. Uh, can't Help Falling. Peter and Amelia are quite different heroes to Ali and Jackson and close to you mm -hmm. so there's always that element of you know wondering if people are going to like them as much as they liked Ali and Jackson um so yeah it's it's definitely uh, for me I would say I, I found it a lot more nerve-wracking the the release to, to Can't Help Falling because there was that that level of knowing that people were excited for its release and um had some had some really high hopes for how much they were going to enjoy the story so how comforting was it to you when RT Book Reviews gave it its top pick? Um, I, I got a little teary. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I, I think that it was um, it was an amazing moment when I when I when I first when I first saw that because it's. Um, Can't Help Falling was a very different writing experience to Close to You. Close to You, um, I, I wrote and I really had no expectations that um, a publisher would be interested in a crazy romantic comedy set in New Zealand about Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. Um, so I wasn't really writing with any expectations either on myself or, you know, that this would be the book that would um, get me a publishing contract. Whereas um, Can't Help Falling was the first you know book I've ever written under under contract and you know it was in a much tighter time frame and the the whole writing um, process was was a lot more a lot more compressed and in the, the Peter and Amelia were very different different characters who um, really challenged me as a writer so um, seeing the RT reviews top pick uh, was just <laughs> such an amazing moment of <laughs> knowing that other people who have no, you know, no reason to, you know, to love your book except for just genuinely loving your book, um, giving, you know, giving it that validation and saying, you know, this this is a, a really good sophomore novel, um, right. and there's, there's nothing, there's really nothing better as an author than um, people saying to you, 
you know, that you've, you've done well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, writing is so solitary, really. I mean, it's you and the computer and, and all that. Um, I think to get that validation, what, what people may not know is when we talk about RT book reviews, top pick, that means that every issue they have, um, it's usually, it can be from one to three different books that get a top pick. And to get a top pick, it basically pushes it all the way up. It means that um, it it is really the creme de la creme of that grouping of books for that appointed time. And um, they uh, usually, you know, it's kind of unusual for them to happen on a sophomore book. Um, and so the reviewer really, really honed in on the message and really, really loved the book. And that's the top pick. And then you also got a Publishers Weekly Review, um, which, you know, that's another review that's really, really important in the life of a book. So um, I think what's wonderful about this, and, and in the spirit of full disclosure, I have to tell everybody that I'm your publicist, and I was on the public publicist on the last book. Um, so, you know, to see, I think, these um, validations in a lot of ways coming in from people um, is really amazing. It is really amazing, and it's it's really interesting because, you know, being living in New Zealand, you know, often you feel, you know, you're quite removed from everything that's going on with your with your book that's that's set in the states. So often, because of our time difference, I'm when I'm waking up, it's already um, late, you know, lunchtime or right. or into the afternoon in, in the states. So. Sometimes I wake up to these um, amazing emails and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to process something like a great publisher's weekly review whilst trying to corral my five-year-old and two-year-old out the door and get them to school and daycare and off to the day jobs. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of yelling at my husband in the shower that I've got this great review while yelling at my children to go and eat their wee picks. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's quite a little balance of, of life and, and work, isn't it? I mean, it really is about yeah. balancing it all out. Now, one thing that I think is really special about you and is that you really do have a supportive group of friends that are writers that kind of surround yeah. you and you surround them. How much of a difference does that make? They make all the difference. I mean, I, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am today without um, my my group of, of writer writer sisters. There's five of them and we've known each other for years. We've known each other for the most part before we had literary agents or before we had publishers and when we were, you know, still back in the mires of discouraging writing contest results and getting rejections from, from agents and editors. And, you know, they are they are the first people that I trust with a story. They help brainstorm with me. Um, they help fix it when things are just not working out and I don't really know what's, what's going on. Um, and that happened with Can't Help Falling. I had to do a, a huge rewrite on it um, during developmental edits and they all um, you know, dropped what they were working on to be able to turn things around in a really tight time frame and, and give me feedback on the changes that I was making. Um, and it just, it just, you can't, writing like you say is very solitary in the sense that you spend a lot of hours by yourself in front of the in front of the computer um, but I mean I certainly couldn't do it without my my network of friends who you know a, a spread um, in the states from Alaska to Wisconsin to Oklahoma um, to Georgia to Indiana uh, and so that is just such an amazing thing is that, that we're always just a, a text or a, a message or an email away from each other and yeah they they're the most supportive group of um, critiquers and cheerleaders as well. Yeah, yeah, they're really lovely. Um, they really are lovely. And um, you know, I'm not a writer, but they're very supportive to me. And um, you know, as just a friend. And so I can't imagine what it would be like to be a writer and have that amazing support because they're all wonderful people, just really wonderful people. Let's talk about the mm. book. Um, yeah. When you're writing um, a book like this. Where you do, um, where you are bringing in an aspect of somebody who's so beloved, like C.S. Lewis, the, does that add pressure to you? And and how do you how did you um, talk a little bit about how your research project process was for this? Do you 
write the story and then put the elements in or do the elements of, of like, let's say Lewis or, or Tolkien come in and then you add the story. How does that all work? Um, yeah, it was definitely, particularly someone like C.S. Lewis, who, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia are so beloved by not just, you know, Christians, but by, you know, readers of many ages because they just, you know, they transcend demographics and they transcend ages. Um, so with um, Can't Help Falling, the, the, actually the first thing I did before I even started writing was I just reread the entire Chronicles of, of Narnia um, just to reacquaint myself with, you know, the sense of, I guess, awe and wonder and just the incredible way that C.S. Lewis um, knits these stories uh, knits these stories together and so I was as I was reading that I was kind of thinking about the themes that were in there and um, the relationships that were happening and as um, some people may know when, when Peter and Amelia uh, met one of the or the first thing he says to her is you know, are you a Susan or are you a Lucy <laughs> um, and he doesn't realise kind of the um, what really sits behind that question, and for people who have read the whole um, the whole series, mm-hmm. you know they they know what what sits behind that question. And for people who may not be uh, less who may be less familiar, than you know it, it seems like a pretty you know straightforward kind of you know a, a bit of a cute pickup line, um, and that kind of flows you know flow, that question flows through the story. Um, and so as I was kind of thinking about this this character of Amelia, who's a very um, private, very guarded um, character, but has this great love of Narnia that's been um, passed on to her from her from her mother, who was also a really huge Narnia fan. You know, I'm I'm thinking um, as I'm as I'm writing the story, what are what are the threads of of Narnia that I can that I can mm-hmm. use to develop mm-hmm. and enhance these characters in their story? Because the other thing that you don't want to do is just be throwing stuff in that's you know, superfluous or unnecessary for the sake of saying, oh, it's a Narnia story, so I need to throw in a bit of Narnia trivia or I need to somehow connect this um, to something. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges was not just the fact that C.S. Lewis is so beloved and it was the Chronicles of Narnia, um, but also trying to integrate that into the story in a way that felt authentic and natural and not, um, you know, forced or like it was just kind of shoved in there because, they had a Narnia theme, and so I had right. to find some things just to put in there to make that connection. Yeah, no, I, um, you know, I do see what you mean, and I think um, what's interesting is that I, I thought, you know, for Christmas you could give what a great idea to give like the Chronicles of Narnia and this book all together. You know, it's mm. like because I do think it's lovely that you read through the Chronicles first. I mean, I think that that's um, a very interesting thing in the mind of a writer. And, you know, I spend a lot of time with writers. Obviously, I'm a publicist, right? And and so I spend a lot of time with writers. But I think the process of how you all do this is fascinating because what people don't understand about novelists is they are literally creating a world. They take a blank page and they're literally creating a world. And to me, that is um, so fascinating that you took and you spun Amelia and you spun Peter into this world. And, um, you know, I just, I, I'm just, I'm been working with novelists for a very long time and it's still, you know, and I'm still in awe. So um, yeah. I'm in a quick gushing right now. <laughs> Um, you know, this book also has, it's, it's a fresh start kind of book. Yeah. So, and, and, and a book of second chances. And, you know, I, I think that there must be, um, there's always a personal element in these books, whether people real, even with a novel, I think there's a little personal element, um, of something about your life or, um, maybe what you've gone through or something. So what, when you were writing this particular book, what, was there something that kind of came up and surprised you about the process, the character, the book itself, 
anything that kind of surprised you? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, a, a book can never be a great book if you aren't in some way personally invested in it. And so for every um, novelist, or, you know, certainly for every writer that I know, you know, in every book, in every book or every every story, though, the characters and the stories may be very different. They're always investing um, something in them, in themselves, and or of them in it. And so, um, like like you say, this is a very um, you know fresh starts, new beginnings. You know, both Peter and Amelia are at stages in their lives where they. Um, for reasons you know that have resulted from decisions that they've made or just things that have happened to them are, are having to try and work out you know what does life look for them now when it hasn't turned out the way that they were expecting or they were hoping um, and I think that as I was writing um, Can't Help Falling one of the things um, that I was just really reminded of as I was thinking back through my life was just God's faithfulness and all of the times in my life when things haven't turned out the way that I was planning or I've made um, some poor decisions or some poor choices and there have been some consequences from that, how God um, is faithful through all of that and how with the benefit of, of hindsight, though it, you know, often doesn't seem that way in the time, you can look you can look back and just see how, you know, when you still um even though you're struggling, you know, trust in him and take those next steps. He's always faithful and can um, bring good out of even the bad, the bad situations. And it doesn't make those situations any less painful um, or any necessarily any less difficult. Um, but just looking back through my life and seeing that um, and wanting um, Peter and Amelia to be asked to to see that as well in the story Amelia starts off and she's not a Christian she's very skeptical about faith he's got um, some baggage from you know that people who have um, came to be Christians kind of put on her in her life that has really hurt her uh, and so by the end of the story you know wanting her in a way to be as part of her character development look back and and be able to see God in places where she never saw him before Right. So, and, and, you know, I think when someone picks up a novel, um, they do, they get a different kind of experience, but I think what's so great about it is when those faith elements come out of that story, um, you know, a lot of times people's lives are just as changed by a novel as they are if they would pick up a nonfiction book, because I think somehow you get into that story and you realize, you know what? Um, they may be fictional people, but they have an issue going on that's just like mine. Um, that's what I always love yeah, I, you know, I, about novels. I, I mean, I do too. I think, um, you know, I read a quote recently somewhere where some, someone said, you know, people often read um, novels and they're more unguarded. So when they're reading a nonfiction, they're expecting a message and they're expecting, you know, to be, profoundly impacted by whatever the topic is of that non-fiction but whereas you know often they're coming to a novel and they're, they're looking for a different experience and they're more unguarded in the way that they approach approach that reading and you know and so they will suddenly you know so a line will um you know will hit them or a situation that a character's in will be really personal to them and it kind of has, has kind of snuck in under under their under their armor and can affect them in a much more personal way because it's not just um, advice on a page but it's a character who feels real to them who's going through something that's really personal to them yeah and it's the vulnerability I think the vulnerability when you're reading you're vulnerable you know um, yeah. too. and I think that that makes that makes uh, quite a difference um, okay this is something I've always wanted to ask an author and I don't think I ever have asked this question but books done books turned in Books ready to publish. Book publishes. <laughs> you ever go? Oh, I wish I would have done something different. Um, I haven't yet, but I mean, this is this is only my second book, so that that may well come. There's all. I mean, there's the when your novel is published, it's always you know captured at a particular point in time, and you know when you when you read back through it, there's always 
um, you know, a sense of, oh, you know, maybe I could have, you know, tweaked this or this could have been a little bit, a little bit stronger. But I certainly, you know, I love both close to you and I love Can't Help Falling. They're, they're very different stories, but they're very um, close to my heart. And I mean, it's amazing, I guess, learning experience being an author for the, you know, six months ago, I wasn't a published author and now I have two books out. And so, you know, you just have to be open to learning and open to, you know, the fact that, you know, you are going to make mistakes um, along the way and you learn from them and you suddenly go from being a person who's quite a private writer to doing things, you know, like radio interviews <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning and your robe and your slippers and, you know, just, just le- it's, a, it's all a learning experience and you just have to be um, open to whatever God may have to, to teach you in that and, you know, to learning through that, you know, what works for you as a writer, what works for me as a mum and as a wife and um, as a person with a day job and living in New Zealand and all of those different right. things that come into play. Um, so no, I, I mean, like I said, it's early, so I don't, I don't have anything really big that sticks out in terms of I wish I'd done that really different. Yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate you being with us today and getting up early because I do know that the, the time zone difference, um, there is a difference. Um, so how do you balance things? How do you, I mean, that's a lot to balance, Cara. You know, little ones, adorable little ones, little ones, husband, job, deadlines, and I'm assuming you're probably writing right now. Uh, well, I just um, reworked two proposals that I sent to my agent last night, so hopefully hopefully one of those he'll think has, has potential. Um, I think you just, you have to, well, for me, I've found that. I just had to get really clear about um, what my priorities were when um, we found out that I was getting a book contract for Close to You and it was going to be a two-book contract. It was at the same time when I was um, returning to work after having our our second child and you know it became pretty quickly that obvious that juggling the day job and the family and the the writing career was was, was going to require some pretty significant scheduling and in the Isaac household. Um, so it's it's re- I mean I for instance we made a decision that we would use some of our um, some of our money from my income to hire a cleaner who comes in once a yeah. week for three hours and saves us all from. <laughs> disintegrating into <laughs> living in a house that looks like it's about to spawn a bowler or something because on the days that I that I have off um, and I'm not under deadline I want to spend them with my family and not cleaning right. a bathroom um, right. and when I'm on when I'm on a deadline my husband who's an extrovert and you know every weekend is essentially who are we seeing this weekend what are we doing um, I just book things into his calendar so he knows that he's free to go off and you know go to go to movies with right. the, with the guys and see all the movies I would never sure. want to see anyway. Um, yeah, exactly. That's and so fine. you just you just work out how 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 can we make this work so that it works for for our family. I do most of my writing at night once the kids are in bed because for me, you know, when I get home at work and in the evening and you know it's usually after five and they go to bed at 7 30 that's a really precious couple of hours um, that I don't want to be spending on social media or catching up on blog posts or you know trying to write anything I actually want to spend it focused on them so yeah it's, it's just it's a lot of trial and error and you know you just try and try and work out what works best for your family and knowing that that's dynamic as well uh, when I first started writing I wasn't married and I had no kids and now I have a <laughs> five-year-old and a two-year-old and another one due next month so that, that all looks different as they as they grow yes yes it does well uh tell um tell readers where to find you can they find you where can they find you they can find me on my website which is www.caraisaac.com um facebook cara isaac author and on twitter at cara isaac right and the book is can't help falling and the first book um, is close to you. And I, I think a great idea for the reader in your life is to pick up a copy of Can't Help Falling and do the Chronicles of Narnia and gift them together. Uh, Cara, thanks so much for joining us today. But you know what? I have Sarah Varlin coming up next. 
So if you want to stay online just a minute, you and Sarah can say hi. <laughs> Thanks, Jane. Thank you, Cara. And um, I'm getting ready to thank open you up Heather Sarah's mic, and we're going to say, oh, thank you so much for being with us. And like I said, can't help falling. Cara Isaac, look for it. And I'm getting ready to open up Sarah Varland's mic. Sarah, are you there? I'm here. Sarah. Hi. Cara. Hi. Hey, this is fun. (laughs) It's good. It's cold. No snow yet. No snow. What are we, October? I guess it's still early. (laughs) I know, but my kids keep checking on the back deck every day to see if it snowed yet. So hopefully this week. (laughs) So we've got Sarah from Alaska and Cara. And you guys have known each other how long? Um, oh, I, I think it was 2007-ish, oh right, Cara? Because neither one of us were married. Yeah. Somewhere around 2007 right. or maybe six, yeah. seven, eight. Yeah. Before we got married. <laughs> when we, we had lots married. of time. We were writing, ch- then, I was writing chiclet. I was too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then it died and we both had to find other things to write. <laughs> yep. So, so Cara published her first book this year. And then, Sarah, when did you publish your first book? My first one came out with Love Inspired in May of 2014. <clears throat> awesome. And did you, go, did you all meet at ACFW? Do you remember, Cara? <laughs> we, so we met online originally, and then you yeah, I, met with, you met Jamie and Laurie and some of the others, I think, at ACFW the year I wasn't there because I was... Yes. Ooh, maybe pregnant with, no, not pregnant with Ellie. Maybe Judah was a baby or maybe Ellie was. I think so. I I think Judah was a baby because I saw you at ACFW when you were pregnant with Ellie, but it had been so many years since we talked that I just went, oh, hey, I know her and didn't really talk much to you. (laughs) I think we met online. I think you're right. (laughs) ACFW, by the way, for y'all that are listening, is American Christian Fiction Writers Conference. It's an awesome conference. That brings writers together to to uh, talk about their craft and also pitch editors and pitch agents and different things like that. So, but yeah, I thought I'd let you all say hi to each other because I realized that after I booked Sarah, that I had Kara, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys know each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun idea. Day. Yeah. Well, well, it's fun, guys. It's it is fun, isn't it? It's uh, mm-hmm. it's amazing what technology can do. Yes. Yeah. It's nice to have coworkers in a job that's mostly solitary. Yeah. It is indeed. <laughs> and I will I'll leave you guys so Sarah can talk about her fabulous love inspired suspense release. Cara, thank you so much for joining us and thanks for hanging on a little thanks, bit Jenny. longer and I'll be talking to you soon, I'm sure. All right, what you saying? Sarah Varland. Welcome to the Winter Circle. Well, thanks. I appreciate you having me today. I am so excited to have you on. You are in like one of the most fascinating places that everybody always I, thinks. I think so, but I might be a little biased. You are where in Alaska? I'm in Anchorage, so it's South Central Alaska. And it's the biggest city. So I have kind of the best of both worlds with Alaskan wilderness on one side and city on the other. Now, why are you there? Why are you in Alaska? We are in Alaska because I lived up here a lot when I was younger. And so when my, um, when my husband and I were going to be making some life changes and didn't know what was next for us, my parents were moving to Alaska and said, well, you guys should just come. And we thought, well, we don't know what we're doing, so we may as well not know what we're doing in Alaska. So we came up here. <laughs> well, now, okay, I'm, I happen to be, um, I know a lot of writers are like, like Cara was saying, she's a nighttime writer. After the kids have been fed, after mm-hmm. they go to bed, that's when she tucks in to write. But um, mm-hmm. if it's, I would think that, like, I'm a really a daytime girl, and I would think all those hours of daylight I would really love. But is it annoying? You know, I love it in the summer. Um, I love it a lot. The only annoying thing about it um, is not so much trying to go to sleep and having it be light outside. It's the fact that 
you know winter is coming. And so every day in the summer, especially that it's sunny, you just have this pressure inside to go hike and go do all the fun things you want to do because you know in the winter we all sort of hibernate. People seem to get up a little later. Um, people will do fun things, but a little bit less. But people go to bed earlier. So in the summer, you just really feel this desire to push it, and you kind of exhaust yourself. That's the only negative. Besides that, it's really fun. Do you have the Hallmark Movie Channel up there? We do have the Hallmark Movie Channel. <laughs> I have just started watching it consistently, and it's great. My husband <laughs> groans a little, but I think it's great. <laughs> so does mine. My husband, my husband is like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's about time for the, the you know, now they, they used to just have kind of the Christmas um, you know, mm -hmm. the holiday Christmas ones. Well, now, you know, they have fall and then they have Valentine's mm -hmm. Day and then they have summer and, you know, the ones in July. And he's just like, oh, yeah. I just DVR them and I just watch them when my son and him are like gone. You know, I, that's when uh -huh. I my little treat is those movies. Because here's the thing, they're all beautiful. All the homes are mm -hmm. really beautiful. And you think, how does she afford that home? You know, she's like works at a coffee shop and she lives uh -huh. <laughs> They're definitely well, fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's so funny that and the and another thing that fascinates me is that they have everything decorated, like even the kitchen cabinets have garland on them. And I'm like, wow. Mhm. Mm yeah. yeah, those people really go all out. It must be nice to be an imaginary person and get your house that <laughs> perfect the holidays. Well, let's well let's talk about you. We're gonna start with your bio. Um, you live in Alaska, as we're talking about, with your husband John and your two boys and your dog. Your passion mm -hmm. for books comes from your mom and her love of suspense. Um, and it says her love for suspense comes from her dad, excuse me, who has spent a career in law enforcement. So books from your mom and the whole suspense from your dad. Yeah. Love mm -hmm. for romance comes from the relationship she has with John, her husband, and from watching too many chick flicks. When you're not writing, <laughs> you can often be found reading, baking, kayaking, or hiking. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So tell me, um, you have written, uh, we're going to talk about your first book, Cold Case, Case Witness, and also your newest book called Silent Night Shadows. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. How do you combine a suspense with a holiday romance? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, it didn't happen at first with this one. I had... I had Silent Night Shadows. I had turned in, I know I had turned in the first three chapters to my editor. I think that was all. And she emailed back and said, in the synopsis, of course, the summary, she emailed back and said, is there any way you can make this a Christmas story? And at first, I kind of asked what you asked. I'm like, really, Christmas story? And there are going to be people getting, you know, trying to kill people. Um, but once she said it, it just, it all fell into place really well in my mind. I felt like having the Christmas angle and being able to tie that to a certain holiday actually helps the setting and it makes you feel more like you're there. Um, and it also led to some interesting plot elements. I won't give too much away, but there's a scene in the book where they're looking at Christmas lights and walking around the town in the dark and then um, the heroine mm. finds herself in danger, which could never have happened if it wasn't a Christmas book. There would have been no reason to walk around outside in the dark. Right. But with the Christmas angle, you know, that was worth it to her to take the risk because this was a tradition. So I loved it. I thought it added a lot to the story. Now, um, because you're doing Love Inspired, you can bring a faith element into this, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I um, definitely can. And, yeah. And how uh, important... How important is that to you to bring that faith element into these, into your books, into your stories? I think it's really important to me, but I have found that some of my stories, it's the thread is a little more overt than others. Um, Love Inspired is very good, and my editor is great at helping me to develop that more and keep it true to the characters, so it's not something I'm sticking in. It's part of their own character development. Um, but it's important to me mostly because, and here's just a look into my brain, I can't always tell my editor what the characters are going to learn spiritually when I write the synopsis for her because it's almost right. always tied to what I'm learning. And I'm right. not always sure what that is, but I learn it right. as I'm writing the story. And um, so I think because of that, it's important to me because it helps me. And I also like to hope that someone else might be going through some of the same issues because the concepts, um, the concepts reach everybody because even 
between me and my characters, our lives are hardly ever similar. And even the circumstances are hardly ever similar, but we might be working through the same general concept, like how right. to deal with being brave or whatever else it is. Yeah, we were talking, you know, with Car about her, her book and about it really it's talking about second chances and how you can really tuck into a novel and come out on the other side of that novel very encouraged. Um, I think, you know, you I think a lot of times people think, well, novels are kind of for entertainment purposes, and they are, but, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a strong faith element in there, I think that there is something really wonderful encouraging when you finish a book and go, okay, you know what, I know those are just characters in a book, but at the same time, the way that they handled that was really encouraging to me, you know. Definitely. I like to hope that um, both are true, that it's entertaining, but also encourages, because I pick up fiction yeah. to be encouraged sometimes. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. And I do both. I, I kind of, you know, I like to do both. Um, mm-hmm. And we've been, we've been, we've been working with novels for a really long time. So, you know, um, I've read story after story after story after story. And I think the amazing thing is that um, a novelist really takes a blank page and they turn, I mean, it, it, I think it's, I think sometimes novelists aren't given enough credit because if you think about it, it is a blank page and you have to do everything. You do the setting, you do the characters, the feel of it, the ambiance of it. Um, You know what I mean? And there's even some novelists that write their own town. Like they make their own towns up. They don't, Mm -hmm. you know, like Irene Hannon is one of those that, has a series out right now, and she literally wrote the town. Mm-hmm, right. Um, yeah, I think it helps that they usually have one thing in mind before they sit down and stare at the blank page. So even if you have only a setting in mind when you sit down, the blank page doesn't look quite as intimidating. Well, you know, even as somebody who writes and loves to write, um, is how, you know, how, because um, I've been reading a lot lately how hard it really is. It's like, to set your rear end in the chair and to actually mm-hmm. write is hard. So it is. What do you think? Is that the hardest part of the process, or are those editor comments and those edits you have to make? Like, what's 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 the part that you see your email and go, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. I'm sure I've probably said that about edits before, only because they're intimidating. But I've been very blessed. My editor is just utterly brilliant. I always feel bad that her name is not on the front cover with mine because she does at least as much work. Um, I think the hardest part for me is not the edits and it's not the beginning because there's a thing I call new story smell. And when it has new story smell, everything is exciting and you want to write. The hardest part is once you get, I would say maybe even a fourth of the way through, I think it's before halfway, when all of a sudden you're like, where am I going? Did this have a point? Am I sure that I'm writing about the right thing? I think one-fourth through halfway through is somewhere where I start to question and wonder if it's really all coming out the way I meant. And so that's, <laughs> that's the hardest for me. Once I get it all done, usually I feel better about it again. Um, and during edits, I'm usually pleasantly surprised at her brilliant comments and that um, the story makes some sense despite what I thought when I was right in the middle. <laughs> well, I, I one thing too, writing is really solitary. It is really you and the screen, and and all. But you have, um, like you just talked to Kara, but you have a really great support group, don't you? And how much I do? How much difference does that make in the life of a writer and really as a person? It makes a lot of difference. Um, it's just nice because. The group that Cara was talking about, and I have a couple other writer friends, they're so encouraging if I'm, um, if I'm in the middle of a story and I'm stuck and I need an idea, or if I just need a name, or if I need to say, hey guys, there's this weird contrast in my life where I'm talking to my editor in New York and then I have to fold my laundry just like a normal person. Um, it's just nice to have people who understand and can, and can help get you back on the right track and, and ask me sometimes, have you written today? Um, it, it's great. I, I did it by myself without as much support for a while. I mostly had one friend who wrote right when I started and they just, I kept getting more and I'm really happy and feel very lucky and blessed to be part of that now. Yeah. I, I think that it, 
and, and I know a lot of those women, and they are amazing, and they do a lot of mm-hmm. amazing things. And Oh, definitely. You know, it's like, I'm not a writer, but it's like without support, um, without that even support as a publicist, you know, it's like I, I even feel that from them, and, and I'm Cara's publicist, and that's it within that group. So um, mm-hmm. I think you guys are – But everybody loves you, so <laughs> – well, I think you're a pretty amazing crew of people. So let's talk a little bit about um, what's the, like, as you evolve as a writer, because, um, you know, you your first book came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this Silent Night, that was, that was Treasure Point Secrets. And then mm-hmm. Silent Night Shadows will come out in November. Um, yeah. How much of a difference is it, how much, of a difference, I'm, I'm getting tongue tied. Do those years make from ease and just um, from writing that first book to where you are now? Um, I think it makes a lot of difference for the most part. I feel like I know what my groove is, I know about how much I'm comfortable writing a day. Um, I think probably most writers, it, it gets easier the more books, but also it gets harder in some ways because you know you were able to do it, you know. I think I'll have four out when Silent Night Shadows comes out. You know you've done it that many times, but can you do it again? So there's that tiny voice in the back of your mind that wonders. But for the most part, it's a lot easier. You have you have a system. I don't think any people write exactly the same. We all do so many odd things to get ourselves started, and our process looks so different. So I think for me, definitely, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with how I do it, even if it's not necessarily how other people do it. So are you writing, are you able to flip open a laptop and write anywhere? Can you write on the kitchen table? Can you write in a chair? Can you write in a coffee shop? Are you able to to bring yourself back to the story at any particular place? Yes, I can do that, but I have to have, I would say I need at least um, the knowledge that I have 30 straight minutes. It helps if I have an hour or more, but I need at least 30 straight minutes. I have friends who can just write anywhere, but also in 10 or 15 minute spurts. Um, I'm thinking of Jamie Jo Wright, and it makes me so frustrated because I cannot do that, but I'm happy for her. Um, but I need to know that I have a longer time. <laughs> Otherwise, yes. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Silent Night Shadows. Um, okay, you have Claire and Nate. Mm-hmm. Claire, Claire, obviously, is your female person, and Nate Torres, um, which mm-hmm. I love that name, Torres. Um, he is the man from the past. Um, yeah. Introduce us to them and tell us a little uh, bit about them and kind of what's going on with this particular book. Um, well, this one, this one was fun to write, and I use that in a literal sense and a very sarcastic sense. Um, I had a lot of edits with Silent Night Shadows, so the first draft of the story, after I sent it to my editor and she sent it back. Um, she had some problems with it, and that was one round of edits that I did look at and think all hope is lost. Um, and Claire and Nate's relationship was part of what got major edits. The first round through, they didn't know each other at all. There was no past history there. And when I did the rewrites, um, through talking to my editor, we realized how much deeper their conflict would be if they had some sort of past. So Claire is just the perfect good girl and she lives in a small town. She doesn't take many risks with her life. Um, at least that's how everybody sees her. And Nate is from her college days when she did do some more fun, adventurous sorts of things. And so <laughs> when they meet, he's like, who are you, this quiet, safe person? And she's like, shh, don't tell anybody. The whole town thinks this is who I am. I'm the perfect, quiet girl next door. Just let me be this way. I like this life now. So he knows she doesn't really, and he pushes and challenges her, and I love that about their relationship. So do you think, um, do you, uh, I know that the, the, you know, that you've been writing suspense. So do you ever think, oh, I want to write just straight contemporary or I want to write nonfiction? Do you ever think that? Oh, sure. It's fun to think of different ideas. Um, I think part of the reason I think it is that my favorite books to read before I started writing too much were romance and romantic suspense. So I always liked both. Then when Chicklet came into being, I loved Kristen Billerbeck. That's what I was writing was Chicklet. That's how Cara and I met. Um, yes. So Chicklet to romantic suspense, that transition makes so much sense, right? Um, I love writing romantic suspense. Every now and then I'll think about um, just a contemporary romance. I have one 
bouncing around in my head now that may never see the light of day, but sometimes you just have to let the story bounce in your head. Um, and nonfiction would be something that would be fun to do if I had the kind of platform that would support it. But I don't think I ever want to stop doing romantic suspense. In my head, it's always doing both, um, not giving that up because I love it. So what's on your night? What Do you have books on your nightstand right now? There are books everywhere right now. Um, currently for nonfiction, <laughs> I'm reading, I'm reading um, so many books. I'm reading Leslie Leyland Fields' new books, book, Crossing the Waters. She's um, up here on Kodiak Island. She's a fisherman, and she talks about her life and some of the crazy stuff they do and also, you know, how that relates to Jesus and the Gospels calling his disciples. Um, I'm also, I just got in the mail yesterday where Two Hearts Meet by Liz Johnson. I'm super excited to read that. Mm -hmm. And I'm waiting for Cara's book to come because I read it before it was published, but I need to read it again. I <laughs> can't help falling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I always have a stack. Like I, um, and then I have books that I save. you know, obviously I read the books we work on and that's, you know, so you're reading a lot. So what I try mm -hmm. to do is try to save um, other books for like the holiday reads. Um, mm -hmm. you know so and I so I have um, like a little stack of holiday reads like one of the books I want to read is Eden Hill by Bill Hicks you know Liz mm -hmm. Hicks husband wrote his first novel and so it's it's kind of a um, period kind of piece kind of a, a change of life um, I'm trying to think of the word story and um, so that one's on my nightstand and then um, I am also going to read The Fringe Hours, which is how to use the extra time you have to, to do some things you really want to do. Because I, I really, really wanted to read that one. Yeah, I lack, ba I lack some balance. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> you know, I lack some balance. And, you know, it's like, um, you know, we work with authors and we work with publishers and and, um, you know, we have um, a life and, you know, we have a kind of a life here in our community. And so it's like trying to balance that. Um, so for yeah. some reason, mm -hmm. I'm totally fascinated by the concept of the fringe hours. And I, I think she may be crazy, uh, but I am going to read the book and we'll see what we'll see what she says. <laughs> I'll look forward to hearing what you think. That's one that's been on my to be read stack in my mind. I haven't gotten it yet, but I've wanted to read that one. So a lot of our audience, obviously, is readers. Um, you know, we talk to a lot of readers. Um, what do you mm -hmm. want? What do you want readers, the reader, to know? Because you know, I I remember we worked with um, Verena Denman's first book. I don't know if you know who Verena is, but we wrote we were we worked with her, and she was talking. And there's a time between when a book is contracted, being written. You know, there's kind of a waiting time until the book actually comes out. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she was like, I feel a little um, disconnected or something. We were having a conversation. And I said, if you will wait for the reader, you know, once that book releases and you wait for the reader, then it will make such a difference in how you feel as a writer. Because up until that point, it's being read for endorsement or edit or, mm -hmm. you know, it's being read by your friends. But it really hasn't hit the market yet. Um, mm -hmm. So so what do you want the readers to know about Silent Night Shadows, your, your, why they should, why you think they would like your book? Just kind of what do you want them to know? If you had a chance to sit down, have a cup of coffee with a reader, what would you say? I think the thing with Silent Night Shadows, um, it's, it's one of my favorite books that I've written, honestly, and I don't say that about all of them. Um, but it's one of my favorites, and I think it's so much because Claire, the heroine, her struggles are so much about being brave and about really trusting God to live her life fully, to live that abundant life. And I think that that's something that women today, I hear it all the time. We Most of us want to be braver, and we want to know how to do that. And so I know, you know, maybe it's odd to recommend a fiction book based on kind of the character's growth journey, but to me, that's my favorite part about it is that. I like the suspense in there. I love the relationship, but how that all works with Claire's journey, I I really hope that that will be encouraging to other women and help them um, to be brave. I was I was actually thinking of my heroine when I was thinking about how I drove somewhere in the dark the other night. 
Um, I like to watch the Northern Lights, and the Northern Lights are most visible if you're in the really deep darkness. So the other night, I left my happy house with the street lights and tossed my kids in the car. We're driving up this mountain, and it's pitch black on the roads. So I've got my lights on, but I thought to myself, Georgia Sarah never would have done this. Like, two years ago, there's no way I would have left my house in the dark with my kids to go up there. And I think, honestly, part of that is from having written this book and, and God teaching me things through it. So I hope other people learn something, too, I guess. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that you just said that um, that you have to go into the really deep darkness to see the northern lights. Yes. Oh, there's so much there, isn't there? There's a lot there because um, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to say, honey, I'm just going to zip over and see the northern lights. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, like me saying, I'm just going to run to the next town and go to Walmart. I'm just going to run out and yep. see. Uh, you know, <laughs> the northern line. True. Well, that's what my winters look like, thankfully. I'm very thankful. So do you think it'll be la- last forever, Sarah? I would love to be here forever. If God calls us somewhere else, we will go because we like being where he wants us. But Alaska, to me, is really, truly the last frontier, like it says it is. Uh, the people up here love adventures. Um, adults love adventures. And there's so much. I love that there's so much beauty and danger just right outside the window at the mountains. I guess it just kind of reminds you how big God is because these same mountains that people love to play in, they are also dangerous. And the line between the two is so thin up here. And in a way, it's just kind of exciting to live somewhere like that. So Anchorage is a really big city, obviously. So are you, you, are you in the city proper? I am in the city, but I am basically Anchorage is on a triangle. There's ocean on two sides or a river anyway, and mountains behind it. So if you're in Anchorage, you've got to be in Anchorage, but I'm on the edge. Um, I'm not far from the mountains. That's why I can see the Northern Lights from my deck because I don't have too many city lights. So I'm right at the edge of the wilderness, probably 10 minutes and I could be lost forever. So (laughs) So (laughs) hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully it won't happen. Is the weather cool there now? Are you cool? Is it pretty cold? It's in the, uh, I'd say probably 20s when I get in my car in the morning, sometimes low 30s. So okay. we've busted out some level of jacket at this point, but we're not too cold yet. So anything you miss about the lower states? You know, I miss driving um, to the ACFW conferences, driving to see friends. Uh, my husband and I really miss driving anywhere because up here you can drive forever and still be in Alaska. So really, that's that's the main thing and the people there that I love. Other than that, it's just great up here. I think everyone should visit at least once. So any special, um, you know, are you starting to get ready for the holidays there? Because down here we realize that we're getting pretty close to even Thanksgiving and Christmas and a mm-hmm. lot of things going on, a lot of things in the stores. So are you a decorate-your-house kind of person? Um, you know, the, the inside of the house changes from year to year. I decorate some inside. My favorite decoration inside is the tree. And I do like putting up the ornaments on the tree or my kids doing it. I think they mostly stole the job from me last year. And I love having Christmas lights outside. Ours are actually still up from last year, though, because a lot of people will leave them up up here. Um, (laughs) Sure. Because it's so dark. And so they're happy. So people, they're starting to come on right about now. Some people are plugging them back in. And we'll, most of us will leave them, maybe not most, a lot of us will leave them plugged in until January, February, when it finally starts to get a little lighter again, just to help cheer ourselves up. <laughs> so where can people find you? Uh, mostly, I'm probably on Facebook the most, and that's Sarah Varland author. I do have a Twitter, it's at Sarah Varland, but I am a millennial who's a little untechnologically savvy, so I'm still working on Twitter. Facebook's probably the best place for now. Yeah. What are you working on right now? Um, I'm working on, I just, oh, I am. I submitted a new proposal to my editor a couple months ago. I'm waiting to hear on that. Um, It's for some romantic suspense set in Alaska. So I'm really hoping that that works out. And I've been working on that and just some other ideas bouncing around in my head, too. I love that. Well, Sarah Varlin, the the 30 minutes went fast, didn't it? (laughs) It did. It was fun talking to you. When I say 30 minutes, people go, oh, and then when they realize how fast it is. Okay, you all have That's to go true. look for Sarah's book. Uh, you can look for Silent Night Shadows. It'll be coming out in November. You'll, you can mm-hmm. order it off Amazon, and you'll also see it 
in select retail stores, um, wherever books are sold. Um, after you read that one, you've got to go back and read the rest of them. I'm sure if you pull up her page on Amazon, you will have all of the Sarah Varland books um, laid out there. And Sarah, thanks so much for joining me from Alaska. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful uh, rest of the day and holiday. And I'm just glad that you were able to spend some time with us today. Well, thanks. It was a lot of fun talking to you. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thanks.